Thank you for listening to the following films podcast. Today I'm joined by the creative team behind the new documentary film, Science Friction. The film is currently available on Amazon Prime Video and Tubi for free. The film is a documentary about scientists who get misrepresented by the media. Those TV documentaries you see and the science experts they feature, did you know that producers often edit them out of context and twist their words to make it seem like they promoted some pop sensationalism instead of the real facts? Science Friction exposes this practice and gives scientists a chance to clear the record. This is a great film and I highly recommend you checking it out. Hope you enjoy the show. I have an account. Am I not logged in? What is that? Um, you know, I really have nothing to do. Brian's the, him and Emery made the yes. film. I'm just in it. I, just I just know them and I'm just in it. It's their film. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Brian, thank you so much for taking the time to do this day. I really appreciate it. Hey, fun to be here. Yeah, it's, uh, this is, um, as I was explaining to Brian just a moment ago, that I, after watching this film, I was immediately hit with a sense of guilt. Uh, for having judged several experts that I assumed were just about as much of an expert on swamp creatures or whatever the (laughs) bullshit topic was that week, that they weren't real scientists. And the fact that there was a lot of manipulation going on here was something that opened my eyes. And I was, uh, I was welcome to the idea that I was wrong about this. That's the very thing that's wrong with like the, with those things. It's the very thing that you walk around going, that guy believes in this myth. And that guy is a legit scientist who was just explaining because they forced him to tell it. Yeah. That's exactly the problem. It's, it's so frustrating. It's one of the, it's, I can't, it's, I don't understand why. It doesn't make any sense to me because legitimate science is fascinating. Real world discoveries that are happening every day are mind blowing. You don't have to spin them. You just have to explain them, articulate them in a way that a layman like myself can get our heads around it. And then, you know, you know, somebody starts explaining buckyballs in a way that I can get it, then I'm on board. That's fascinating to me. But if it's something where you're putting it in a way that's too high-minded and it's above my, you know, kind of my intellect, then that's fair. I won't connect with that, but you can tell these stories in ways that I've never met a real scientist who doesn't have an element of them where they want to be an educator. They want to communicate these ideas. I think that's why they're so willing to go out on these shows, which are, it's unfortunate they're being taken advantage of like this. You're expressing exactly (laughs) what we hope everyone who watches the movie is going to come away thinking. And what, what was the, desire to tell the story where did this come from when did you see when did you figure out that okay this there's something here that needs to be uh i i get it now but ahead of this i had no idea so when did you become aware of this kind of phenomenon that was going on well are are we already on the show or do you want to hold? yeah yeah we just go right in we just go just jump right in so (laughs) yeah so i mean i'm basically a science writer i mean i've most of my career in science communication has been uh, as as a podcaster doing the Skeptoid Science Podcast, and we also make you know a web series, uh, audio and video podcast, and we are always trying to be working on a documentary film. So, as a science writer, I get the same thing that everyone in, in science communication gets, which is that these shows occasionally call you up and they say, "Hey, do you want to come and be an expert on this show?" And so we go, "Cool, sure," and. The more you do it, the more you realize that it's just gonna you're just gonna be edited badly. At, at, at best, they're going to ask you to say, 
Now, just tell us the myth, so, you know, to, to frame it, and then we'll talk about your explanation. At best, they're only going to use that, so it makes it sound like you're some person who believes in this myth and you're telling it for them. And at worst, they're going to do some of the deceptive editing like we show in, in science friction and make, it, make you actually say something that you didn't say. So having it happen to me a bunch of times uh, and knowing so many other people that it had happened to, we just started talking, you know, I bet there's enough of this to make a film out of. And it turns out there's, you know, 50 times as much as you could ever make a film out of. We just, we collected what, what we could get to interviews on. Um, the majority of people who we spoke to decided not to participate or change their minds afterward because really, you know, I, I, they don't want to burn a bridge. They don't oh. want the discovery channel to be angry with them. And, uh, you know, we respect and that not, and not distort their science in the future. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's, <laughs> you don't want to burn a bridge to a self-immolation. <laughs> Now, why, I, I guess because Discovery has moved so far away from what it was at one point in time where they, were, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, Discovery Channel was pretty much, it, in my mind, it what was Shark Week what it was at that point in time. It was just a collection of shark documentaries that were all put together in one week. It, things like Ancient Aliens, that, that's History Channel, but they're all kind of falling under that same umbrella in my mind of all this yeah. stuff that you're like, this is the thing that belongs at two o'clock in the morning, you know, for I'm just getting home from the bar kind of, this is when that feels appropriate to me, not at, you know, three o'clock in the afternoon. You know, I just, it's to me, it's um, I've always held that stuff at an arm's length where it's something I'm not interested in. I would never believe in that. I have, it's just, I, I'm not a skeptic by nature necessarily, but if I smell bullshit, I just have no interest in investigating it and going and wasting my time in that world. So why? Well, would... people forget the, the, these aren't science journals. These yeah, are TV true. networks. <laughs> and what is a TV network? What does it live and die on? It's, it's viewership numbers. And so they just, they, they take the easy road and they produce sensational programming that's going to make people say, wow, that's incredible. And the easiest way to do that is to just make stuff up. Yeah, I, I don't... But you could just find those interesting stories and there's an yeah. audience for it. You, I mean, if you, you look, you, you've, if you, you're a science writer, um, you have a podcast, so you can see the number of people that will, that will download something that's strictly pure science. And there's an audience for it, an, a, a wildly underserved audience, I would say. And you can find this, you know, I take my son, we have a membership. We go to the planetarium every Saturday morning. We go out there after he has one of his classes and we'll go into a full planetarium at this time where they're doing that every weekend. There is an interest in this stuff. So I don't know why they won't serve it. it it's because it's a lot more work. <laughs> it's a lot more work. I mean, it's really easy to say aliens built the pyramid <laughs> and, and, and find a couple of crackpots who think that and just let them ramble on. Uh, that's really easy to do. Uh, but again, taking the pyramids as an example, there's been some just in the last two, three years, there's been some astounding new discoveries about the construction of the pyramids. Who's we heard know of that? exactly which I... planet the aliens came from. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that. But, but, what, but what, well, what are these developments? So now I'm, I'm you can't just what, One of the out, largest right? ones is, is the discovery of a journal uh, by one of the uh, foremen uh, from, um, he, was, he was a captain on one of the boats. 
that, uh, that, uh, that took stuff up and down the river to the pyramid site. And we got things like the name of the Great Pyramid, which we never knew before. Oh, I mean, wow. there's, a, there's a treasure trove of real information out there. Now, to do all of that, you've got to actually do some work. You've got to actually find real Egyptologists. Uh, you've got to actually have your researchers learn about what's going on out there so you can put together the show. You don't have to do any of that if, you're just, if you don't constrain yourself to the facts. So it's really, really unfortunate that they're just simply lazy and not willing to put in the work to make a good show, to make a good, truthful show. Um, I don't know if I specifically said this in the movie, but um, all these marine scientists I knew when this mermaid thing came out, and there was another program about Megalodon, which was a real huge shark, but prehistoric and very extinct. And one of their shows is about mermaids existing, and another show is about uh, Megalodon still existing. And all these marine scientists are like, you know what? The oceans are actually filled with amazing, wonderful, cool, weird, alien, in a sense, <laughs> things. Like things that are as crazy, you know, you go with that down in the oh, deep, yeah. there are the most alien, an octopus is pretty alien right there, but, <laughs> but in the, you know, those uh, bioluminescent crazy mm-hmm. things with, you know, with little bait things sticking to like craziness. Why can't you just make a show about that? You don't have to get CG either. You could get actual. It's all there. (laughs) Your production budget for that goes down dramatically. But I mean, obviously I'm not in charge of a network, but um, I I just don't, it, it doesn't make sense to me. And that, and that's fine. There's people that want that. The it's the same attitude, the clickbait thing. And I think that that goes down and there's this, mentality that's pretty pervasive in our culture right now that I think this is speaking to um, where we're not deeply interested in facts. We're more interested in entertainment. And we have gotten to a point where I think we've started disguising our entertainment as truth and that's getting pretty messy. And there's real world repercussions of that that aren't just, you know, to me saying that Atlantis may have existed at some point in time, it's it's ridiculous. It's stupid. But how harmful is it? Well, I kind of thought it was pretty harmless, but I see there's a direct correlation between that mindset and where we are right now. And politically, some of the things that have happened in the last six years, however you feel about them, um, there's been some ideas with bending of truth and reality and looking at the world and very your people are creating their own reality now. And I that that is dangerous. Yeah, when you spread misinformation and when people learn to believe in misinformation, uh, it's the exact same broken thought processes that lead them to believe other things that are directly harmful. So, you know, on the one hand, you can say, my grandma thinks her poodle is psychic. What's the harm in that? Okay, there's no harm in that. But that might also lead you to believe the next day in whatever the conspiracy theory du jour is, or COVID is a hoax or something that actually causes people to die. Yeah, the, the the tying of that around at the end with the anti-vax movement of that, I just had never made that connection in my mind before. And it's so obvious that those two things are directly tied together. And I was very thankful to see that. It's something that, I mean, I guess it's easy when you're preaching to the converted in that sense, because I am pro-vaccine and I am anti-bullshit. So I'm okay with that. I, I was on board for this, but tying those together and seeing how these things are dangerous and that is important to fight misinformation. It's just truth is not exciting in the same way that it's not, it's not as sexy, I guess, as to me, uh, 
It is like the knowing the truth of it. I, but for other people, you're not getting that 140 character click on it. You're not getting that exciting thing. Um, I don't know. It's, it's fighting truth with fighting misinformation with truth. I don't know how you do that. It doesn't seem like we're winning that fight right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, you, we wouldn't have made this movie where if it's like a, it's, this is not a pro vaccine movie, for example, this is pick any science. This is not a pro that this movie specifically criticizes the practice of deceptive editing yes. yeah. by producers. And that's something that every single person who watches it, no matter where they are politically or what they believe or don't believe, everyone recognizes that that is just straight up evil and wrong. So science friction, I think, does a good job of, for, for the first time in many cases, giving people a reason to suspect these shows on these pseudoscience channels on TV are not necessarily being honest with them. Yeah, it's we, we knew that there, I think most of us, most thinking people would know that there is a, a level of fabrication, or at the very least, they're finding crackpots for this. But it turns out that they weren't finding crackpots. And that's what's, that's the real sad injustice of this that needs to be brought to the light. Because yes, that is the real message here. That's what this film is about. There's all these other things that does touch on and I think conversations that will be brought out of this that are very important to have, but that's not the focal point of your film by any means. They so. use crackpots too, though. <laughs> <laughs> a little of this, a little of that. You know, I like what you said about um, entertainment being sold as news. And since this is a movie podcast, you must have covered network at some point. Oh, well, not, I, I mean, not in a specific, I generally cover new releases, but I bring up uh, network probably so, so at least crashing. once a it month. Seems yeah, because it just seems like it would have been just as timely if it came out today. Well, Network is a strange example because there's something when that was written at the time, it was satire. It was extreme. It was something that was pushing boundaries. And it felt like this is so over the top. And now we're at a time where it feels more like a mirror. Um, you know, Dr. Strangelove, you watch that at one point in time. And it seems like there's a satire is pushing it so far. And then you see... No, we're actually not that far off. In fact, we've inched closer to this reality. And in network specifically, that's one where, man, that, yeah, they're, they're, he was onto something there. So we're, we're pretty, unfortunately, um, if you look at 24-hour news cycle shows, that's kind of what that was talking about. Yeah. I'm a big fan of, of science fiction writer Philip K. Dick. And in sure. so many ways, his books are weirder than the movies that have been adapted from them. And just so much, we've gone beyond it. We're in, we're beyond. It's like that thing when we don't know, is that an Onion article? <laughs> no, that's real. I thought it was the Onion, okay? <laughs> that's not even a surprise anymore to no. us. And what you're saying, it's like these things that we've gone beyond parody. And it's like our reality in so many ways. Here, Where are you based? I'm in Tucson, Arizona. And it's, um, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know how to feel about that, to laugh or cry um, when you see, <laughs> when, when, when there's not that kind of room for satire anymore, um, because I, I tend to, I love satirical comedy. I, I, that's my space. I, that's where I want to put my head a lot of the time. But then where's the room for that right now? It's really, you just kind of say, look at what happened today. No, no, this is actually where we are. These are the things that are happening. This isn't saying, oh, let's do an imagined world of this, a version of it. You know, there was that um, movie that just came out, was nominated for a bunch of Oscars last year. It was a Netflix movie, um, Don't Look Up, that, that idea. It's almost, that's the idea of pushing the satire now, but it almost doesn't even feel like it's 
until the very ending of it, that extreme, it's just, yep, that's kind of where we are. It's not even that much of a stretch at this point. So yeah, it's a, uh, Kind of sad, but that, that's all right. So, um, yes, now, Brian's been dealing with this for like at least fif- the 15 years he's been doing <laughs> yeah. his own show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, so what has the reception been like to the film so far? What are the kind of conversations that are being uh, inspired by this film? Well, a brand new release. So we have very little so far. Uh, and, and most of it has been from you know, friends we've shown it to. So they say, hey, your movie was great. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was good. It was good. <laughs> um, I haven't got – I'm waiting to get the pushback. That's what I'm really excited to get. I want to get – I want to hear from the people who hate it, who think that we're being dishonest ourselves. I want to hear from – network producers who think we're misrepresenting them because that's a battle I'm ready to take on hundred percent. Um, I mean, you kind of do a little bit of a mic drop on Oprah Winfrey at the end of the film. So <laughs> that's a, it's a ballsy move there, but I mean, it's like a, it's a beautiful summation of everything. <laughs> so. Yeah. You're, you're talking about where we, where we have each of the experts come on and they just, we give them, what do you want to say to these producers? <laughs> yep. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. And it's, it will, and it as far on. as the, uh, on a different kind of note with that, the ending of the film, something that I would recommend people hang out for the end of the credits. Cause there's a nice little coda at the end of the film that I really oh, yes, appreciated. And it was, um, was that something that was there from the beginning? Cause it was just that, Oh, that voice will warm my heart for the rest of my years. There's no way that that won't always make me smile. I am wondering, and I don't know this, but I am wondering if this is his final film. <sighs> Might be. It, yeah, it, it very, it, it's, it's going to be close. I mean, I know that there'll be, he's going to be one of those people that people talk about for years and years and years. Sure. Anybody that's of my generation will reference back to him. So he will remain relevant in that way for a long time to come in the way that I always heard about Bob Hope when I was a kid, but i never saw Bob Hope once in my life. I never had any <laughs> idea, no association with that, but I'm aware of the idea of that as a concept, as an institution. I think that the, you know, there's a specific moment. Um, I, I almost like don't want to give it away, but there's something that he did on Comedy Central that they made an entire documentary about <laughs> that I think will stand the test of time. At the very least, it's very culturally significant. Well, what you're talking about that was made an entire documentary, uh, the missing person from this uh, interview is Emery Emery. Yeah. He edited... The aristocrats. Yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> that's still, we've done a lot of talking about someone without naming him. <laughs> and, and that's, that's actually a large part why I had, uh, why I asked Emory to direct this movie. Uh, because I love the way the aristocrats was edited. Now he's the editor. He wasn't the director, but I mean, come on. We all know that, uh, the it's editor does a it. lot of the editor in the movie. And he just kind of had this raw style that, uh, really felt right for what I wanted to see here in science friction. Um, so, uh, and, and in addition, I just happened to have also been friends with him for a long time. So we had a great working relationship and it was, it just fell into place. It was, it was fantastic. So I'm very stoked to, to have had his involvement and to, it gives the film exactly the flavor that I was looking for. And finding the right balance in this film where you don't want this to come across as, you could easily get up on a soapbox and make this about the injustice of this. 
the film manages to be entertaining throughout. It's something that never feels like it veers off into that direction. Was that something you were thinking about in the making of this as far as making this just a an easy watch? Because this is something that was deeply entertaining, despite the subject matter, which could be infuriating. I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, we've got guys like Brian who are in the movie yeah, that who helps. are <laughs> hilarious. He's just got this tone in his voice. Whenever he talks, no matter what he's saying, it's just too funny. So <laughs> this is actually one of the conversations that uh, that Emery and I kind of went back and forth on throughout throughout the post process was I wanted people to watch this and leave the theater feeling angry. And he wanted them to leave the theater thinking like they just had a good time. And that's two different things. And we just kind of back and forth and back and forth. And the box kind of got smaller and smaller until it sort of ended up where it is, which is kind of a little bit of a medium. I think you do get enough to get angry about watching the film. But you enjoy it. <laughs> you enjoy you enjoy the process of getting angry. I really enjoyed that and got a mad. Well, it's kind of like <laughs> you, you get half of the experience of logging on to Twitter, but you actually leave happy. So that, that's the difference. You, 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 <laughs> this will make you mad, but you'll actually feel good for having done it. You don't feel a little bit gross after the experience. So there's right. a lot of things that engage with your anger that you feel manipulated afterwards. Um, and that's a different kind of thing. This is something where, yeah, it, engage, it sort of um, engages that part of your brain, but it's something that's actually for your own benefit at the end of the day. So that's, that's a different <laughs> set of uh, muscles you're working with there. Um, so this movie is available right now for people to, to check out. And it's something that I'm highly recommending to people. And this is something that I think you don't necessarily even have to have a deep interest in science for this to work for you. Really, if you just want a human story, this is something about people that have been misrepresented who, in a in just this really horrible way, because it's something under the guise of education is why they're doing this. Um, and it's, yeah, very frustrating, yeah. but de-education. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's every, every documentary filmmaker has, um, has an agenda. I mean, basically. Right. Uh, and so one of the things that we had to do to work really hard was to not make this a propaganda piece with a preconceived conclusion that we were going to support no matter what. So, we had to make sure first and foremost that we did not misrepresent any of the experts in our film. Anyone who's in a movie, we did not misrepresent them. Now, obviously an interview goes for an hour or two hours and you end up with you know, three minutes of film. So obviously we don't include most of what they say, but we did go back to everyone. We gave them the cut. We had, a, we had them approve the cut. Did they like it? Did they not like it? Did they want anything changed? And we did make one or two changes based on that, but very few people uh, had any any feedback about it. They were all very happy with how we represented them. And we didn't want to go out and you, you clearly we're trying to indict a process. We're trying to indict this deceptive practice that, that some filmmakers engage in. We did not want to be um, we didn't want to be attacking the industry as a whole or anything like that. In fact, the very first line of dialogue in the movie is I think it's Janine Krippner saying or, or is it, um, it's Matt Kirshen. He says, most filmmakers are just trying to make a good show and they do a good job of that. We try to make that the very first thing we talk about. And the fact is that some of them don't. Some of them 
don't have those kind of morals or their ethics in, in, in what they're doing. They don't really care. They just want to get, make a show that gets uh, eyeballs. So we're kind of walking the tightrope of not being a propaganda film, but very much having a point that we want to get across. We just wanted to make sure we did it as honestly as possible. Well, at the very least, you're representing the voices of the, the people involved in it, and they signed off on that. Um, to me, one of the, the tragedies of the film, somebody like Richard Dawkins, he'll have an audience. So if he's misrepresented, yeah. he'll have a chance to say like, hey, that thing, that don't pay attention to that. There'll be a chance to follow up on that. I was completely misrepresented. In fact, you know enough of his work, even a layman like me, I know enough of his work to see when it's being misrepresented that I can see the edits and go, wow, that that is not something he would have said. That just there, you can see the cutting. Um, most of the people that are subjects in this, though, are people that won't have that audience. They won't have that chance to correct the record. And I'm glad that you're giving them that platform to do it. So even yeah, if it's you're not, right. I'm I mean, Jonathan Davis, the shark scientist, Yeah, he's a perfect example of that. I mean, he's, he's, he is a scientist like 99.9% of scientists who work in obscurity for their entire careers. They will never make a huge discovery. They will never have a major publication. They'll never turn the world upside down, but they're all just part of that big machine is that's what it takes to make progress creep forward. And so for someone like him to get the chance to be on Shark Week, I mean, come on, that's in many cases, that would be the highlight of their whole career. Yeah. So he was stoked to do that. But you're right. Who's he? What's he going to do when they when they deceptively edit him? So yeah, we felt really good about people. about doing that to someone, but they wouldn't think twice about doing it to him. They wouldn't think twice about calling me a science journalist if it suits their purposes. Instead <laughs> of like, it's like we'll just say this. It's like what? It's like who's going to care? Who's going to know? Shut up, yeah. kid. You know. At that point, though, call me up. You can call me a science journalist. I'm not worried about my science career getting blown up. You want to put me on TV? I would have a hoop going up there and saying some garbage. You want me to do it? No problem. I'll throw away my science career. No big deal. So as long as I can plug the podcast and then, and then I'll be fine. That, that would be my uh, Faustian deal. I'd be able to do are you, it. Are you a scientist too? I, I didn't uh, know. No, 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 no. Not at all. Not in the least bit. I'm the farthest <laughs> thing. I, I appreciate, respect uh, science and I... Keep it. I, I trust in those who spend their their lives doing that. So if I I know enough to know that there's a lot of people that are a lot smarter than me that have done the work, and I'll take their lead. So that's it. And I'm why good. is that such a radical idea? Yeah, what, to what trust the experts in various fields. <laughs> you know, there's things that I've spent my life working on that I understand, and I'm maybe not an expert in the field, but you need somebody to talk about it. I be a decent person to talk to about certain things science no no and and that that's I, yeah and the idea of taking thought leaders and listening to them it makes it's a shortcut i don't have the time in the life that i've chosen to do that so what i need is i need people like brian that are doing that work to go out and write these stories cover these things and then i can get that information back and then and there's stories that i can tell that are um maybe that Somebody that's involved deeply in the world of paleontology does not have enough time to figure out the two independent films that he needs to watch this weekend. No way. They're just that, that's not, but there could be, they want to sit down on the couch this weekend and enjoy something. I'm your guy. I'll help you out with that. That's the, that's the, I guess the balance that we strike in the world. What two independent films should we be watching this weekend? Oh, come on. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, science friction, of course. That science friction. That's a good one. It's available depending on where you are on Amazon Prime and on Tubi Television. Perfect. See, and if you don't, everybody has access to Tubi. So it's free. You can watch it right there. No big deal. If you have Prime, go on there and watch that. And, you know, it's as a well-meaning, well-intentioned liberal, I, I try to hate Amazon if, theoretically, but you know, <laughs> I, I have Prime and, you know, I'm checking for packages every couple hours. So, yeah, unfortunately, that's where I'd be watching it. So Yeah, it's a strange world we live in. <laughs> for sure. But thank you both so much for taking the time to do sure. this day. I really appreciate it. Congratulations on the film. This is definitely one that I'm highly recommending to people. It's a, thank you. It's a great watch. And um, it's not often that I, I don't like throw up the air quotes or whatever. An important movie um, is this fun to watch. So the two of you fighting thank this you. out. Thank you very much. It, it yielded a very positive <laughs> result. So. All right. Awesome. I'll, I'll drink you to both. that. <laughs> take care and and um i hope that emory's feeling better soon so yeah, yeah. Was, uh, i hope he he's on the mend I'm sure he's hearing that right now so <laughs> oh in the back am i hiding that that's probably what it, i don't know if i have it set to hide the uh the windows where there's not anybody there i thought he jumped off of it i'm not sure so uh, yeah, oh was he even on oh, yeah this isn't live right it's, oh this uh, isn't live so he's no, not no 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 this is oh, okay. no this will be no this is not live i'll be uh you'll edit it so that it says what you want it to say and not resembling oh yeah no 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 this this was absolutely a um this I podcast the whole mission of this is to basically i need to right the wrong of the 2016 election we need to make this all right again we need to go back and so yeah the january 6th thing that's what this i'm i'm big QAnon guy so thank thank you for taking part in this i appreciate it <laughs> yeah thanks for having us that was really fun cool thank you guys take care have all a good right. one have a good weekend yeah bye-bye you too time enough to figure you out Time enough to write this down Wish me luck, give me hope
always crack.